You know your problem? It's that you lack commitment. Hi, I'm Susie Edge, and this is my new podcast, episode two of How to Lack Commitment. And when I was working as a hospital doctor, I had gone to seek advice from a senior colleague about what I was going to do next, because I had to make a decision about what which training path I was going to go down, what specialty I was going to go into, and I had a lot of different ideas, different things that I was interested in. The problem I had was that those things, some of those things that I was interested in were beyond the hospital. I had said at one point that I wanted to run away to the woods and write books. And the response I got was, why would you do that? Another response I got was, you know, your problem is that you lack commitment. Now that didn't have the intended outcome. That person wanted to make me realise that I had to make one decision and jump on the ladder and start climbing, and year on year get a little bit higher towards, I don't know, the goal of retirement. Now, I am not having a go at their career path and their decisions. That was brilliant for them. They've done really well. But it wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be in that environment. I didn't want to commit to one thing. My lack of commitment, if I had one, was to one thing, when in actual fact I had a ton of commitment to a lot of different things. So in the end, I left my job as a hospital doctor. I packed up my free pens and my stashes of free post-it notes with the names of drug companies on. And I left, having done a history degree in the meantime, I have to add, I left to go and do my own thing. Literally to run away to the woods and to write books. And also to make online content. And this is what this podcast is about. This is a diary of how I'm managing that. At the moment... I would say things are going really well. One of my main targets, and I say one because there has to be more than just money, but one of my main targets, of course, is to match the income that I would have had had I stayed in the hospital. So not not just the income that I had that year, but we're talking about not wanting to climb the ladder. The ladder also involved a year-on-year incremental increase in salary, and that was something that I walked away from as well. If it was all about the money, I'd probably still be there, to be honest. So it's not all about that. It's about other things as well, which I might come back to later. But the money thing's a big issue. And people who want to run away from salary jobs to go and write or be creative in other ways, perhaps need an understanding of where that money might come from and how they're going to pay the bills. And I'm not talking about buying big expensive cars and going on massive expensive holidays. Really, at this point, I am talking about paying the bills and helping support the family. That's what this is about. Of course, I'd love a big expensive car and I'd love to be able to run one. (laughs) That's entirely, two entirely different things, aren't they? Having one and actually being able to keep it on the road. And of course, I'd like expensive, faraway, sun-filled, hot holidays. I'm saying that looking up at the grey sky of Aberdeenshire as we speak. But of course, I'd love that. But right now, the target has to be more realistic. And that realistic target is to match the salary I would have had in the hospital and to help support the family. So here on How to Lack Commitment, I had a soft launch last week. I didn't tell anybody I'd done it. I put it out on YouTube and that's where most of the views came from. I didn't mention it to my platforms, my other platforms with sort of big followings, really just because I wanted to 
get my feet on the ground. So it's just between us for now. You can share it if you'd like. I'd love that. If it's uh, at all helpful, then that would be great. But for now, I'll just keep it that way and we'll see what happens. My plan is to ask guests onto the podcast to talk about their plans, their life goals, their inspiration, their motivation, what's worked, what hasn't. I've got quite a few people in mind that I'd like to ask to get in to do that and have conversations with and hopefully those will be helpful as well. What I'd really like is to not just ramble on in a diary type way but to reflect on what's been going on in my week and hopefully that can be useful and valuable, actionable those things are really important, aren't they? Because there's no point in just listening and, and going, yeah. There's no point in just talking and then the result being, yeah, interesting. It has to be, the reflection has to be that then there are actionable results. So that's how to lack commitment. Welcome along. This week, what's the date? It's the 8th of November, 2022. I'd like to say that in Britain, the Tories have gone quiet and they're just getting on with running the country, unlike the last few months or years or whatever. But no... The headline this week, the former health secretary, Matt Hancock, has gone on, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, for probably a massive paycheck, and I suspect a suitable level of PPE. On Twitter, Elon Musk is making a splash. He's bought the company. He's made a lot of strange changes and promises and threats. One of the things this has brought home to me is how I very much have all my eggs in one basket. And that basket being TikTok, in terms of my platforms and my following, I have a nice building following on Twitter and on YouTube and on Instagram, but they're nowhere near what I have on TikTok. And that worries me a little bit. And it's one of the reasons why if you follow me on TikTok or subscribe to YouTube, you'll see that I've started doing other things, started making more YouTube videos, started being more chatty on Twitter, posting on YouTube shorts, as well as posting on Instagram more. And that's because I'm slightly worried about the vulnerability of having all your eggs in one basket. Not just for the apps themselves, like Twitter could implode. It could be okay. Twitter was in a bit of a bad way before the 2016 election in America. It wasn't making any money. Things weren't looking great for the company. Nobody wanted to buy it. And the 2016 election came along and Donald Trump and everything around that. And Twitter then started to come out of its shell again. Boom, boom. And, and suddenly it became relevant again. But the thing is, Elon Musk having come along and bought it could cause problems. Some say it's going to implode. I suspect that with Donald Trump's announcement only today that he's going to make a big announcement might mean that Twitter's OK and Twitter survives. Because because a lot of people, although they might want to run away if he's allowed back onto Twitter because of his politics, a lot of people might want to stay and watch what they perceive might be a car crash in action. So I think that should that happen, Twitter might be OK for the same reason as it was OK in 2016 and, and afterwards. So what I'm trying to say is it might Twitter might be OK, but it's vulnerable and for the same reason all these other apps are vulnerable and they're vulnerable to just cultural changes they're vulnerable to political changes and the accounts themselves on the apps are vulnerable i've seen it happen to friends on tiktok how 
they can upset someone, particularly people that have strong political views one way or another, can upset people and then their accounts just get horribly attacked. And you can report somebody's video and they'll, you know, they could lose their account quite easily. And that's a vulnerability as far as I'm concerned. So having all my eggs in one basket is a bit of a concern. But it's also hard work, isn't it? Because there's a reason why I've got a lot of eggs in that basket. 323,000 followers, I think, on TikTok. The reason why I've got that is because I've consistently been there talking to my community, building my community. I haven't done crazy viral things that appeal to everybody. And that's why, unlike some of my friends on there, I haven't been able to dash up over a million. And that's fine. I don't want to annoy people with political views and stuff like that because it's just not my it's not my channel it's not my channel to do that it's my channel just to tell stories and to entertain for a few minutes with those historical stories which I hope I do the other channel of course I have is the book and I was at a lunch with my agent Emily and the publishers of my book and it was really nice and we were sitting around we were talking about we were talking about how I was getting on and I did say that I wanted to branch out from TikTok, that I wanted to transcend, I think was the word that somebody used, which I thought was very grand, but it, it means the same thing, doesn't it? And they said, you've done that by writing the book. And I thought, yeah, but people are buying the book because they know me on TikTok. And until somebody walks into a bookshop without knowing who I am and what I do online and sees the book and buys the book. Until that happens, I don't feel that that's the case. Having said that, the publishers send me the sales figures each week for the book, and I'm I'm really pleased with how it's going. One of the reasons why I'm really pleased, and, and I'll talk about publishing, I guess, in length on other, on other podcasts to come, but one of the reasons why I'm really pleased is because I, <laughs> I don't have the first clue what, what are good sales numbers. I really don't. And I depend on the words of the emails that come out and words like superb and tremendous, etc. Uh, <laughs> seem to be coming out at the moment. So the publishers are happy. That makes me happy. All is good. Mortal Monarchs is available to buy on Amazon and Waterstones and a lot more independent bookshops than I had anticipated, which is really, really amazing. My favourite at the moment is bookshop.org. You can order a book online, but you can nominate an independent bookstore to fulfill that order so they they get the sale so that's a really cool thing to be able to do so if you're looking for mortal monarchs that's where you can go anyway back to the diary i've had a rant about um putting all my eggs in one basket because frankly that's been a bit of a worry now i thought what i might do with the podcast because it's a diary because it's a reflection is to just make a list throughout the week of things that i might want to talk about and then pick 3 on the day that were on my mind. So I had a look at my list and on my list there's this one line that says target one person and frankly that's quite sinister isn't it? It's a good job I know what it means <laughs> because don't worry it's all in my head. See I had heard maybe it was on a podcast maybe it was on the television maybe it was I don't know in a blog or something a few years ago now I had heard somebody say that one of the things they do to motivate themselves is that they target one person and make that person a competitor even though that person has no idea who they are <laughs> even though they don't know them personally and I thought when I first heard that what a load of crap 
Like, how does that even work? You can't be a competitor with somebody you don't know personally. How on earth is that going to be motivating? But then it happened. I found my person. I wasn't out there looking for them because, as I said, I thought that idea was a load of crap. But that person just came along and suddenly, suddenly for reasons I won't go into, I wanted to beat them. And this person isn't a historian, they're not a doctor, they're not directly, they're not a direct competitor. My God, do I want to just kick them into touch. I want to, I want to beat that person. I want to win. And that's a really weird thought, isn't it? Considering I don't know them personally. But in my head, they've become the person to target and the person to beat. And so when I see a post of theirs come up on social media, my first thought is like, oh, it's them. And then I read what they've said and I think, oh, what do you know? And then I think, okay, read it, take it in, find the competitive edge, seek out those marginal gains and go and beat that person. It's a really silly thing, but my goodness, is it motivating. And by that, I mean, practically, like I'm, I was sitting the other day, I'd taken a coffee break and I was taking a long time about it. I was procrastinating. I was looking at my phone. I was scrolling and I came across a post of theirs and I had the initial thought, oh, it's you. What do you know? Uh, oh, hang on. What have they actually got to say? How might I beat this person? Wait, the, the way I'm going to beat this person is to get off my phone, get up from my long coffee break and go and put in the work. And that's why it was motivating. That's what made me do it. And now, whenever I see that person, I saw that person looking out at me from the front of a book in Waterstones a few weeks ago. And my immediate reaction was to go and crack on with some work and to to beat that person. And so target one person. Yeah, it sounds very sinister, but believe me, it's all in my head. When I meet that person in real life, am I going to ask them for a fight? Probably not. <laughs> Sorry, I'm making myself laugh. It's nonsense, really. But it's motivating, and that's the main thing. Another thing that I wanted to talk about this week was income streams for writers, because it's been on my mind. I talked at the beginning of the podcast there about how one of my targets, one of my aims for this was to be able to match the income that I had as a doctor, and that's not it's not an easy thing to do because, despite what everybody thinks, writers generally aren't rolling in it. The average income for a writer, I believe, is less than £10,000. And that takes into account the likes of J.K. Rowling and Stephen King and all that lot who make millions from their work. That, that average takes theirs into account, which means that most people write and don't earn a huge amount from their books alone. And so I'm always seeing and hearing on podcasts different ideas and different ways for people to be a writer and to be able to do what they want to do, but also to be able to pay the bills. One thing that I was asked to do in the coming few weeks is to give some is to give some talks to local schools. Now, I understand that schools don't have a huge amount of money. And when I was first asked, I wasn't expecting any sort of payment. But then the school said to me, you need to have a look at this particular author. Um, I don't even know what we'd call it. 
it's a payment system and I think it might be government, local government. I'm not sure. I'll have to have a look. But as an author, you can sign up and you get to be on a list and you can go and do talks at schools and be paid for that talk. If the school can't, if the school don't have a budget themselves, then they step in and, and it allows, and I, I don't know where the funds come from. I really don't, but it allows writers to be able to go and do that and not be out of pocket doing it. And I thought that's a wonderful idea. I went to sign up for it. And sadly, I found that it doesn't cover the books that I write, the books that I write being primarily non-fiction historical. So I was a little bit sad about that. At the end of the day, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. I said I was going to do it. But it's one of those things that it would have just added. It would have added up. And that's the thing. You do a lot of different little things in this way and it all adds up. And that would have been another one to add to the list. So I'm a little bit sad that that didn't come through. But on the other hand, finding this scheme was really great because it gave me hope that other writers out there, fiction writers in particular, who were able to do this and were able to earn by going and talking to kids in schools. That's a fantastic thing, isn't it? Long may that continue. As I say, I don't know where the funds come from. I think I might dig a little bit deeper into that. But for, for now, it doesn't cover what I do. The workshop itself that I'm giving just next week is going to be about uh, writing non-fiction, ironically, but uh, it's not deemed worthy of that um, of that funding opportunity. So what other ways are there for me to help my income doing this, writing books, creating online content? Well, the first one that pops to a lot of people's minds is Patreon. Now, I had a Patreon before. The problem was that I just felt really super uncomfortable with it. I was sick at one point at the beginning of last, uh, I keep saying last year, because I work on academic years, but I was sick at the beginning of 2022 for quite a few months and I wasn't able to do the work and therefore I felt really bad. Now I spoke to my patrons at the time and I said, look, this is happening. I want to stop using this account because it feels it's super awkward and I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to take money if I'm not doing the work. And a lot of them said, you know what, we just it's just Patreon. It's to help people that we want to help financially to do their thing. And everybody contributes a little bit and it all adds up. And I contribute to others. I have other people who I help via Patreon. I put a little bit of money in each month and they keep doing what they're doing. And it's fab. But I just felt really uncomfortable with it. I felt beholden to it in a way, which is which is silly because they said that they just wanted to help and they were fine with it. But I wasn't fine with it. So I stopped using Patreon. As far as sponsorship is concerned, I'm hoping that I'll find a sponsor for this podcast. It might be somebody to do with publishing. It might be something to do with business. It might be something to do with who knows what, but I will find it and we'll take it forward from there. I do have one or two that I'm going to approach because I think waiting for them to come to me is not the best idea. However, if you'd like to come to me, give me a shout. I don't think it's the best idea just sitting and waiting. So there's a couple I'm going to approach to ask what we can do for each other in terms of sponsorship for this podcast. There's also YouTube. YouTube pay contributors, don't they? Um, <clears throat> I you have to have on YouTube, you have to have 4000 hours of views for some people. If you open up YouTube and you type something in, it seems like most of the videos, certainly the ones that I'm looking for, most of the videos are really general videos who most of the videos have hundreds of thousands of views. And I think to myself, oh, my God, I'm nowhere near that. I'm not getting there. 
I might get there eventually, but I'm not at the moment. And you have to take those view counts with a pinch of salt. You're being shown the popular ones. You're being shown by the algorithm the ones that are doing well and the ones that they think you'll watch through because they've done well and it all feeds each other. And so you have to, you do have to take that with a pinch of salt. But on the other hand, I have to look at what's happening and why and how I can increase my view count. Because until I get to 4,000 hours viewed, I can't monetize anything on YouTube. YouTube is going okay, it's ticking along, it's ticking up. One thing that I didn't realize was that shorts don't, YouTube shorts don't count in that. I had a huge amount of views on YouTube shorts because that's, because I thought that would contribute. And when I actually looked deep into it, I've got half the viewing hours that I thought I had that I can go and monetize because shorts aren't included. So YouTube's one of the places where I wanted to go to, you know, I was saying before about having my eggs all in one basket. YouTube is where I wanted to go to increase that visibility and hopefully earn some money from YouTube videos in the future. That isn't going to come any minute soon, but if I keep going, then we'll get there. And I think one of the things I have to do is keep making videos. I can't just rely on what's there just now. I have to put out more. To that end, I made a, a fireside chat videos a th video. I thought that was quite fun. It was only five minutes long, but it had loads of views. And I think that was quite fun because I'm often sitting by the fire chatting and making really short TikTok videos. So why not just extend those a little bit and make them into fireside chats for YouTube, as well as putting my podcast this one and warts and all the history podcast on there as well so that's another way to increase income although we're not there yet i have been asked do i make any money from my tiktok videos and the answer is yes however it's about a pound a day which at the end of the day is 365 pounds in a year it's actually a bit more than that because whenever one goes viral it goes up on that so I do get a very small income from TikTok. However, it's not to be sniffed at. It's, it's money that I'm earning. You know, that, that does add up to help with paying the bills at the end of the day. So those are a few income stream options. And I'm looking at how else I can do that to maximise what's going on. I do have a Shopify, but it's not even running at the moment. I might have to get that up and running again and um, see what I can do about that because I'm paying, actually I'm paying monthly to have that account. I just haven't got anything, uh, haven't got anything working on that. It, it just, it's just a matter of time. I just have to sit down and do it. And time is one thing that's quite hard to find at the moment. She says, ranting, had a microphone for half an hour. <laughs> the third thing that I pulled off my list this week was to talk about health. And that's not directly related to writing or income from different income streams or content creating I realize that but it is super important to me and it's something that has been an issue of late. One thing I did yesterday which was really rare was that when I woke up in the morning I thought I'm going to take the day off. I didn't even sit down with morning pages because I knew that if I sat down with morning pages that I would start writing a list of things that I wanted or needed to do and that would be on my mind. Instead, I decided that it was going to be a day off. I wasn't going to open my laptop. I wasn't going to pick up a pen. I wasn't going to engage hugely. I wasn't going to answer emails. I really needed to just take a day. One of the things that was on my mind was that I keep on putting off dealing with my health until tomorrow. And when I say dealing with my health, I have in the past been very fit. I went through a stage of 
being very vocal in the health fitness communities, particularly around the ideas of keto and low carb. And it's been a whole year since I earned my black belt in my martial art of Su Yang Do. And yet I've not been training. And the reason I've not been training is because in January of this year, in fact, it was 31st of December, I tested positive for COVID and I had a really rough time of it. I was sick, quite nastily sick for a couple of weeks. And then I got pneumonia. I ended up on steroids and antibiotics and all the nasty stuff that really causes a lot of trouble, even though it does help with the disease of the moment. And I ended up just in a bad way. It took a long time for my chest to get over it. Every time I tried to do something, I started wheezing and that got me down. And of course, the immediate answer to that is that I'm not going to be exercising. And also, I'm just going to be eating food that helps in the moment. Really hyper palatable, calorie dense stuff that's not good in the long term, but makes me feel better for a few seconds. And so I piled on the pounds and I've got to a state that I'm really not very happy about. Now that's been going on for a few months, obviously. And I feel like, I don't know, I'm waiting for something. I feel like waiting for this thunderbolt, thunderbolt, lightning bolt. I feel like I'm waiting for a lightning bolt to hit and suddenly I'm going to be back where I was. And we all know that's not how it works. How it works is that I have to step off the train that I'm on and go in a different direction. And that happened yesterday. I decided to take the day off. My plans were simple. I was going to listen to some podcasts, ones not related to the stuff I've been listening to lately. I've been listening to a lot of writing, publishing, business stuff. Uh, instead, this was going to be going back to some podcasts that I used to listen to and used to be involved with concerning health and find my motivation again in that regard. I was going to go down to the shop and buy the sorts of foods that I find work really well with me and my body and buy a load of those. Understand that I have to make those decisions from now on. It's it's not just one decision to make and that's the end. It's hundreds of decisions every moment of the day when I walk into the kitchen or when I decide where I'm going to work today. You know, actually, I say that because... If I'm going to work in a coffee shop, it means that I'm going to be subjected to the things that I don't want to be eating. And those things matter and those decisions and those choices matter. And I've been making the wrong ones over the past year and that needs to change. And I think what will happen if I change that is that I, I can get back to a state where my mood was better. I deal with the monthly cycles are a lot better. I struggle with that and that helps when when my health is better, when my weight goes down, when I when I have more muscle doing its muscle thing, my mood is so much better. My concentration is better. I'm able to get things done a lot better. There's less procrastination. There's less worry. And there's and, and the threshold for dealing with a lot of the crap that comes with being online the way I am. It's a lot easier to deal with when I'm in a better state of health. So that's something that I need to concentrate on. Now, one of my problems that I know is that I'm quite obsessive. I don't think quite and obsessive really go together, do they? You either are or you aren't. You are or you aren't. Uh, I'm obsessive and once I decide something is of interest, then that's what I double down on for every hour of the day. And in the past, when I was really fit, that was what was on my mind every hour of the day. But I need to understand that that's not the be all and end all. I have to do that I'm doing that in order to be able to do other things. And so I can't just 
I can't just totally jump off the ledge that I'm on into that. Yes, I'll probably get wonderfully fit and healthy again, but then I wouldn't be doing the other things that I want to do. So I need to make that a priority, but not make that the only thing. And that's something that I personally find quite hard to do. That's one of the things that's on my mind. So what's been on my mind this week? Putting all my eggs in one basket, targeting one person, different income streams and health. And I think if all of those things are going to be on my mind, it's a good time to stop this week. I've been Susie Edge. I'm horribly lacking in commitment for one thing. There's lots of things that I have a ton of commitment for. Thank you for joining me on the journey. I hope some of it's been helpful. I hope some of it's resonated. I hope, if nothing else, I've given you a laugh at the silly thoughts that are going through my head day in, day out. Please do share if you'd like, if there's someone that will get value from this. As I say, I'm not going big on social with it yet. I'll do that in time. Again, I'm looking for a sponsor for this podcast. So if you have any ideas or thoughts, then please do give me a shout. You can find me at TikTok at Susie Edge, on Twitter at Susie Edge, on Instagram at Suze.Edge. I'm on Be Real as well at Susie Edge. I'm just finding my way around that. I find that quite fun, although it keeps beeping when I'm in the shower or driving and neither of those things do you want to see. So maybe not. I did join Mastodon. I think there's been a bit of a, not exodus, but certainly people going over to Mastodon is quite hard to master because of the way it's set up. It's a little bit weird, but maybe there are some connections to make on there as well. I'll join in that. So you can find me on YouTube as well. My channel's Susie Edge. It's probably where you're listening to this right now. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next week.